once I started to explore African spiritual philosophies, I was like, wow, I just couldn't believe. I was like, this thing that we're told is so evil and all of this stuff. I'm looking at it. I can see like Buddhism. I can see Hinduism. I can see uh, Christianity, all these philosophies that are given respect. And I'm thinking, but they're singing from the same hymn sheet. I am Aviola Abrams, and this is the African Goddess Initiation Festival, Summer 2021. We are celebrating the launch of my new book from Hay House, African Goddess Initiation. This is a mock-up copy. It's not the real copy. It's the mock-up copy. But there is the cover, and we are celebrating spiritual teachers from throughout the African diaspora. Today is the day of one of the goddesses in the book who is in the Temple of Ancestors, Queen Mother Nanny of Jamaica, who is on the $500 bill in Jamaica. She liberated over 800 enslaved people who were trafficked into Jamaica. She was an Akan woman and absolutely phenomenal. And I'm excited for more people to learn her story. Along those lines today, we have with us one of her daughters. Beautiful sister from the UK, goddess Verona Spence Adolfo. Welcome, Verona. Thank you so much, Abiola. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here. And I love what you just mentioned about Nanny of Maroons as well, because, yeah, I'm feeling that energy. And even, obviously, Jamaican heritage and then married to a Ghanaian and a Khan as well. It's just, yeah, that energy is very present right now. Wow, I did not know that your husband was Ghanaian. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. That is so incredible. And it's it's amazing that, you know, for me, I went through the whole American school system and then some, and no one taught us about Nanny. Mm. I don't know if in the UK it's different, but in, in, in the United States, no one taught us about Nanny. And so- wow. All of these teachings were stuff that I did independently. I definitely was not taught about her in school at all. <laughs> well, let me tell our audience about you, my sister. This beautiful woman you see before you, Verona Spence Adolfo, is the co-founder of Ancestral Voices, an educational initiative that provides learning resources that cover the spectrum of African spiritual cosmologies, philosophies, and practices. It consists of two feature-length documentaries, published books of research findings in English, French, and Spanish, and online courses. She has 20 years of experience working in a variety of media roles, including on-air promotions, corporate productions, and TV distribution, video editing, amongst others, and has also written, produced, and directed personal shorts. 
Her passion is creating works that provide opportunity to explore social issues, particularly those that are often neglected by the mainstream media to assist in raising awareness. And so what started you off on this path, Verona? Wow, it just feels like so long. Even when hearing you say that, I was like, oh my gosh, 20 years, is it that much already? I'm like, how old am I now? <laughs> but um, wow, so I guess I've been in the creative industries forever. Uh, but for my personal journey of, I've loved storytelling. That's something I've always been interested of in sort of creative storytelling. But in terms of spirituality and exploring that via film, that never started until 2010. Uh, and the literally one year before is when I met my husband, Dalian. Now I started my spiritual path 2001, actually it was, um, 9-11. That was my personal trigger where I started questioning everything in the world and unlearning and relearning as they say. And so that awakened my first for knowledge. And then it developed into a seek for knowledge of self. So it was a case of, I found interest in sort of new age spiritual teachings and I loved some of the learnings I was coming into because I grew up in a sort of Christian home, but I, I, it didn't resonate with me. So for a long time, I was even atheist as I like, ah, don't believe in anything. But once I came into the sort of new age spirituality and started learning about some of these ancient philosophies, I was like, wow, this is really interesting. But I was like, but where am I? Where am I being represented? And so that's where I started to begin the search of looking into sort of my own ancestral background, you know, Jamaica. So we're looking at things like Obia, going back to the Caribbean. Obviously, then you've got to take it back to Africa, going back to the root there. And once I started to explore African spiritual philosophies, I was like, wow. I just couldn't believe, I was like, this thing that we're told is so evil and all of this stuff, I'm looking at it, I can see like Buddhism, I can see Hinduism, I can see uh, Christianity, all these philosophies that are given respect. And I'm thinking, but they're singing from the same hymn sheet. Like there's, I can see the, the sort of parallels and everything. And what I found, it was just really empowering and it, it drew me in. And it was only a few years or a couple of years afterwards where I met my husband, who was also on the same path, who was also a creative. And then literally the two of us together, we were like, let's just put our creative skills together and make this information accessible on a wider platform. So that's how the whole concept of Ancestral Voices was born. And we thought this is a perfect opportunity to um, provide factual information because you know a lot of the teachings we've been given are very heavily negative um, coming from a colonial perspective and a lot of propaganda so what we felt was necessary was like why don't we go to source ask them what they believe rather than you know outsiders coming in like ask them what do they generally believe in and we were like let's just document this and make it available so yeah that's what ancestral voices is and um it's been a phenomenal journey for us, even though we're making the content as we're doing it, we're constantly learning and evolving as well. I am absolutely sure that you are because I have to just share with you my love and appreciation and gratitude 
for your work, sis. My deep, deep gratitude. So, you know, uh, a year ago, well, about a year and a half ago or so, I knew I was going to write a new book in 2020, but I didn't. And I actually wrote two books before writing this book because, you know, oftentimes we don't answer our ancestral call and the ancestors kept saying, no, 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 no. This one, <laughs> this one, and this is the one. <laughs> and I then went on a quest, not only with my inherited ancestral knowledge from Guyana, but also, you know, and the things that I learned from my father, who is a spiritual teacher and a minister, but also just going on a deep dive of the resources that are out there. And the resources that are out there are scant. <laughs> yes. Resources. And you, your films, it was really exciting when I found your films because I was like, okay, good. Someone else, you know, is helping to bring this word forward, you know, and to bring these teachers forward. And what was really beautiful, I want to just point this out for the audience. If you're not familiar, go to Ancestral Voices, go to the website and, and see the work, participate in the work. You documented some of our teachers who are no longer here with us. Yeah. And so, you know, so for example, um, you know, Baba Credo Mutwa and um, Sobonfu Some, Max Beauvoir, like so many of our teachers who are no longer walking this earth, you documented their voices. Yeah. And I started out in the world of film. And so I know that this is no small undertaking. You financed this out of your pocket. Talk to us about the process of interviewing <laughs> all of these spiritual teachers and documenting it, you know, yeah. and this process of making these movies. Yeah. So as you said, when you were writing your books, it's about following that ancestral calling. And it's just really strange. Like when I look back, I'm like, what? How did we even do this? So the first documentary, we fully self-funded. Um, this was when we were still very fresh in our early days. We were still learning a lot of information, but we were like young children in a candy store. We were just like, we're going to explore, we're going to do this. And so um, we literally used a family holiday to Ghana. I was meeting Dalian's family for the first time um, to actually film the documentary. Most people would just go on holiday and chill out. Not us. We were so <laughs> driven. We were just like, you know, we're going to do this. So we got Dalian's mom involved. She went researching around the area to find out the local practitioners that we could speak to. So she helped to make those connections on the ground. Uh, we interviewed people here in the UK. We actually went to Egypt as well, but a lot of the footage that we obtained from Egypt wasn't even usable. So um, we did, that was just our, our own personal funds. It took one year to make. Um, I found out I was pregnant during the film. In fact, when I actually arrived in Ghana, that day we flew out is I found out I was pregnant. So it's like, we were having all this like personal family stuff happening where we'd be like, we're gonna make this movie. We're gonna make this movie. So that one we did fully funded ourselves, took a year, filmed it, edited it, got to about nine months pregnant and I was still editing the last piece. And I was like, okay, I can chill out now. And then we got to the second documentary. I think we took about two, three year gap. We were like, we need to relax. And then we started filming. And again, we already knew we wanted to get much bigger. We wanted to get more detailed. The first film kind of just addresses 
uh, you know, the spiritual consequence of us turning our back on these philosophies and why we have, you know, through media influence and colonialism and so forth. So it deals with a lot of those issues. But what we wanted to do was provide information on, you know, core philosophies. We wanted to uh, make correlations of the entire African continent as much as we could anyway, as well as the diaspora to show the connections. Because we're always taught like, oh, but they believe in different things and different gods. And blah, blah, blah. Whereas when you actually study it, they're all, they're, it's drawing from the same source knowledge. It's just different expressions. And so we really wanted to get that across in the film. So we put up the initial budget. We um, wanted to get... Um, Baba Credo Mutua, so we independently went to South Africa to film him. We went to Haiti to meet Professor Bayina Bello. We went to the US to meet Professor James Smalls. And in the back of those interviews, more opportunities and more interviews came up. And then we had to part crowdfund for the remainder of the film, which allowed us to go to Brazil as well. So it literally was a five year process. It's like we would film we would stop, <laughs> raise some more money, keep going, film and stuff. And that's how it literally worked. And five years later, we eventually got there in the end. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you persisted. I'm glad that you made it happen and you followed that voice. And I love that your mother-in-law was involved in helping you birth this, this additional yeah. baby while you were having your <laughs> yeah. physical baby. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's just really weird. Like, I think when I look back on this journey, I think I was going through so many things because I'm adapting to, you know, becoming a wife, becoming a mother, being a filmmaker and all of these things happening simultaneously, plus all the knowledge I was coming into in terms of developing spiritually, it was a lot. So I feel like that whole process was just an initiation. Like I really do. Like how I've even come out to the other side, half of that period of my life feels like a blur. <laughs> Oh, it was like <laughs> I, I managed to get through I don't know that's how I know the ancestors literally took the wheel because I'm like huh? <laughs> all of this happened <laughs> I love that you use the metaphor you said singing from the same hymn book because so many things like umbilini meditation for example in South Af in South Africa and so many you know like you said you know we revere yoga from India and you know Taoism from you know the Chinese practices and so many other things and African spirituality has been demonized globally let's talk a bit about that because you mentioned for example Obia and I know that you probably heard the same things I heard about Obia you know growing up and so let's talk about that the demonization of our spirituality and and your personal experience as a Jamaican British woman. <laughs> yeah, so growing up in my household, like my dad was atheist. My mom was really like um, quite religious. She was Catholic, but um, we didn't have to go to church. That like when I was alive, anyway, when I was born, sorry, it wasn't something we had to do. So, um, but we did have a white Jesus on the wall. So it was a typical Christian home in that perspective. And I remember hearing stories as a child about Obia and people's heads swelling up and putting like curses on people and stuff like that and rolling calf and all of these kind of old school Jamaican things that are quite common to hear. Um, but it was always spoken about as something negative, never as something like positive or empowering. However, when I heard my parents speak about it, even my dad as someone who's an atheist, 
you could see there was still some level of fear because within them, as much as they may kind of like, oh, stay away from it, they knew that there was power there. And I think from childhood that fascinates, fascinated me, but it wasn't something that I really explored again until later on in life. And so this is from in a young age, I internalized that there is this negativity that does surround our spiritual traditions. And obviously growing up through life and experiencing different things, seeing Hollywood, uh, portrayals of our spirituality is this constant demonization and not only does it exist within the media it even exists within the sort of educational system um, within other religious institutions as well and it's something that's so systematic that we don't even realize it. It's, it's implemented on so many different subliminal levels so even now that we've created all these educational resources when we go into uh, universities and approach them, and I look at what they offer in terms of RE and other forms of religious and spiritual education, African spiritual philosophies are largely ignored. It's, it's like to this day, they haven't acknowledged that, you know, this is a, a spiritual practice within itself that deserves a recognition and honor. And it's, it's, not, it's still not given that level of respect. So this is why I feel that the work that we're doing through Ancestral Voices is important um, to acknowledge the information, to provide factual information, but also to completely remove the negative stigma that surrounds this subject and make it available for everyone. In the same way you can take courses on you know, Hinduism, Buddhism and so forth, and there's an array of spiritual courses you can take in you know, Christianity, Catholicism, and going back, you know, there's different, so many different varieties of courses. Where is that when it comes to not even just African spirituality, but indigenous philosophies around the world, period? Like, this is something that if we're going to look at, you know, religious comparative studies, why are we not going back to source? You start at the beginning. And so before the Abrahamic teachings, these were there. We can't ignore them and just overlook them. By understanding these philosophies, we get a greater understanding of who we are today as humanity, our relationship with the environment, the dynamics between the physical and the spiritual realm, you know, it's phenomenal. So I think there's a lot of work still to be done in terms of removing the stigma, but we know we're trying our best. Well, I love that you have courses because we do need courses and we need books. And I love that your books are in so many different languages, you know, because we as African people globally speak, you know, every language that there is. I, one of the things that I was excited to learn about on my journey, as you said, you know, I had a, a similar experience where as, you know, I was, you know, learning things to teach them and to transmit them to others. It was very exciting for me as well on my journey to learn these things was learning about Kumina in Jamaica, which is very similar to Kampha in Guyana. Um, my father, he wrote a book many years ago called um, Guyanese Metaji, and he talks about Kumpha in that book. And you had Dr. Michelle Yasantewa, who I met her and learned about her and interviewed her all through Ancestral Voices, learning about her through Ancestral Voices, seeing, oh my God, she's Guyanese. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, can you tell people, you know, what um, specific things like maybe kumina or specific practices that you learned about um, that are meaningful to you? Or even, even for example, you talked about Yemaya, you signaled her as your connection. 
Yeah, so um, it's, it's, this is why I find it so beautiful and I look at the sort of correlation. So for example, I have, you know, had my, my head read as they refer to it in the Yoruba tradition. And I do know that Yemaja is my primary energy, which is represented as, you know, the ocean. She's associated with the ocean. Uh, mother of the fishes is a literal term. And, um, you know, that sort of, that empowering sort of feminine energy, uh, you know, life giver, creative person, you know, that creative force energy. And what I think is fascinating is where I can make the correlations is associated with like pregnancy, birth, fertility, and so forth. And then I go back to my Jamaican lineage now. And I know growing up, one of the things that we used to hear about all the time is that if you dream about fish, it means someone's gonna have a baby. And right. so now in my knowledge, I'm like, but that's just symbolizing Yemajar. That's that same energy coming through, you know, the fishes, the ocean, the water. You know, if we look at the primordial fluid of, you know, the, the birth, the whole womb, and, and that's where we all come from. We come from life within that, those sacred waters. And so I just, it just, this is why I keep stressing the knowledge is there. People say, oh, but I don't know which part of Africa I'm from. Neither do I. But it doesn't matter because that energy, that knowledge, that wisdom is already within us. It's so ingrained within our DNA. And that's what I find so beautiful. So you will always see these different cultural expressions. So as I mentioned before, my dad was atheist. He didn't really believe in anything. But I grew up in a household where I would see him pouring libation. He didn't call it libation, but he would just say, oh yeah, for the dead people then. Like that's how he would do it. Like he would just spill some rum on the floor or whatever it was, whatever alcohol he was drinking at the time. And he would just spill some on the floor in honor of those who had gone before. And it's whether he was actually conscious of what he was doing, I don't know. He's unfortunately no longer alive, but to, to ask him if he actually knew straight away what he was doing. But once again, as I said, this knowledge is within us. So we carry it, whether we're conscious of it or not, it's there. So I know already, especially now actually through spirit, he, that, that channeling was there. And a, a lot of us tend to deny it. And a lot of us are sometimes quite scared of some of these things where we may start to get dreams and spiritual understandings and so forth. But, um, it's there and I think we need to kind of embrace that intuitive wisdom that we have inside us which I guess ties into your whole theme you know that kind of goddess energy is about tapping into that inner knowledge and accepting it and owning it and not being afraid of it so yeah it's phenomenal to see how much retention there is in the diaspora it really is. And, and like you said, you know, we know much more than we think we do, you know, that your dad was a part of a continuum, you know, the, the here in, you know, the US, you know, the brothers on the corner, pour some out for the brothers that's not here. They're part of that continuum, you know, shout outs, people giving shout outs in hip hop and in dance hall, you know, is the same as Mojuba and praise poetry and, you know, it's, it's all the same. It's all the same. Tell us about the course that you have coming up and how people can go deeper with ancestral voices. Okay, well, we have a few. What I would recommend if anyone's do, we have a free five-day e-course, which I would recommend for anyone who's kind of new to the subject and a bit scared of the subject and may have steered away. We've broken it down in such a way that it's clear and kind of alleviate some of those fears. 
But I would say who anyone who wants to get stuck into this course, I'd recommend our home study course, because that's the one that includes both of the DVDs that we've created, the two films, as well as the book. Because we've accumulated so much knowledge, particularly with the second film, which was five years, you could imagine if we had a whole film, it'd be like a five hour movie. So a lot of the information that didn't make the movie is within the book. So the home study course is where you kind of get a comprehensive overview. We talk about various different spiritual traditions and you just get um, ideas of how you can implement your own spiritual practice because it gives you the foundation philosophies as well as practices you can start implementing in your life. And for many of us, we're like, where do I start? I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm from. And the information within that documentary series and the whole course will definitely help you to feel comfortable in embracing your own spiritual path. Okay, well, I am so proud of you, sis. And this is our first time meeting, but I just feel the need to just tell you, I'm just proud of you. I'm just so proud to, because I see, I see myself in you. I see, you know, we are reflections of the same and knowing how much you and your family have sacrificed and put into this work as a gift really for us and our culture. I'm just grateful. <laughs> Thank you. And I also want to say, your book, I haven't finished reading the book fully, but from what I've seen, it's really fascinating. And once again, it's like our spirit is eternal form where you're drawing from all these different traditions and you're showing that they are interconnected. You know, there is no separation. And I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I wish you all the best with your book launch and the success moving forward as well. Thank you. Thank you, Verona. Like we say in Guyana, Aloe is one family. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are. So beautiful. So, thank you so much. Thank you. And for you who are watching, thank you for joining us. Definitely go check out, click the links, check out all of the resources that Verona has shared with you, the free course, check out her book and all of the paid offerings. African African, wait, let me make sure, ancestralvoices.co.uk, correct? You perfect. Yes. Ciao, Bona, my friend. And that means we see you. I will see you in the next conversation. Bye.